Welcome to episode 30 of Polywana Cracker. Woo, 30 episodes. Pretty happy with that. Uh, today's guest is Green Senator for Western Australia, Rachel Seward. She is also the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Issues spokesperson for the party and also the spokesperson for Family, Aging, Community and Disability Services and also Mental Health. Uh, Rachel is the chair of the Community Affairs Reference Committee and also the Australian Greens Whip. We chatted uh, just a few hours, or not even just a few hours, after Rachel had been in estimates all week. So there was a lot going on in Parliament this week. The lower house was sitting as well. Um, Just prior to our chat, the lower house passed the plebiscite, so that is now headed to the Senate. Uh, And we get into that. We talk a little bit about that. Uh, But we also talk about what Rachel is fairly concerned with at the moment, which is mental health. It is an issue that's supposedly talked about a lot, but you don't always see a lot of action. She talks about New Start and disability support and also support for Indigenous Australians and um, all important issues. And you can you can hear in her voice uh, the frustration that she she has for um, the current state of affairs and, and particularly uh, equality just in general. Don't forget, you can follow Polly Wanacracker on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. The uh, handle for all three is at Polly Podcast. And again, if you have any feedback or you want me to fire some questions at some of these pollies, then please email me, pollypodcast at gmail.com. That's all the plugs out of the way. So let's get into episode 30 with Green Senator Rachel Seward. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Hello, Senator. How are you today? Hi, good, thanks. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. I know it's a pretty busy time in Parliament right now. Uh, yeah, are you, it is. Are you, are you in Western Australia or are you still in Canberra? No, I'm in Canberra. We've got estimates all this week. This is the fourth day in and I've got one more day tomorrow of estimates. Yeah, right. That, that's what I thought. I wasn't sure because I, I had uh, seen um, around the place that you know there were some senators out and about doing some other things. Yeah, but... if, they've, if they've finished, they can, you know, they obviously can uh, leave, but right. I, my out. estimates haven't finished. Yeah. I see. Okay. No worries. Well, there has been a lot going on. Um, and so just, um, you know, uh, the lower house was still sitting and just recap the last couple of weeks for me because there's just been so much to take in. Oh, well, there's been so much going on really, hasn't there? And, you know, we're still... Uh, trying to well, I must admit I've been locked in estimates all day, so I didn't catch up with what's happening question time uh, yet today. Right. Um, I've been focused on asking questions about things like the cashless welfare card, NDIS, um, disability, disability support payments, things like that. But if you you know if you look at some of the shenanigans around whether there was or wasn't a deal in terms of um, guns and uh, government's industrial legislation. Um, there's still the plebiscite issues, obviously um, boiling away. Banks are still uh, ongoing. Um, you name it, uh, the government's um, under a lot of pressure and is not handling its agenda very well. Yeah, well, as you say, there is a lot going on. One of those things, as you mentioned, is the plebiscite. Um, it was passed through the lower house today, and so it's going to the Senate, uh, where it's expected to be blocked. And I know the Greens um, were looking to block the, the plebiscite, but... Conservatives are claiming that that may be a good thing because then they gives them time to rally the troops. So, what are your thoughts on that? Well, anything. The, the problem with the one of the many, one of the many problems with the plebiscite was it was basically open slather um, 
funded by the government to run a hate campaign against the LGBTIQ community, which is totally unacceptable, and particularly when you hear of people's lived experience from Ireland and the um, effect it had on um, the LGBTI community and its members. Um, I think we should learn a very, very salutary lesson from that. Um, and it wasn't binding. I mean, everybody, I'm sure, by now has heard um, all the arguments, but it wasn't binding. Um, and certainly, by one person, everybody that I spoke to from the LGBTI community um, did not support the uh, plebiscite, and I got hundreds of emails asking us not to support um, the plebiscite. Um, and so I think it's pretty clear that um, the LGBTI community um, does not, uh, the majority does not support the plebiscite. I do acknowledge, as I said, I had uh, one person, um, in fact a couple, sorry, that spoke to me about um, supporting the plebiscite, um, but everybody else um, opposed it. And I don't think that it was a situation that is conducive to a sensible debate the way the government was setting it up. And of course it was only set up in the first place by Abbott as a way of putting off, trying to put off the issue and get, and get him out of an issue with his uh, colleagues um, where, because we know that there are a number of people in the um, Liberal Party who do support equal marriage. Uh, so where to next with the, the plebiscite? If uh, it does get blocked in the Senate, then what happens? Where where does this go to next and, and how long till we get a realistic decision on it? Well, I mean, as, as many people have observed, um, it could be settled very, very quickly if um, one the crossbench bill could, um, could go to a vote um, in the parliament. Now, private members' bills have been supported um, to go to be debated in Parliament. It, mm -hmm. it, there's a number of times where that has occurred, so it's it's not um, an unreasonable ask. So it could. Mm -hmm. The Prime Minister um, and the, changed his mind and stood up to his uh, right uh, wing. Um, but if 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 the government isn't prepared to facilitate and support a crossbench bill. Um, coming on. Of course, there's nothing to stop the crossbench uh, bringing that on in private members' time for a vote. Um, and, then, and, and then we'll see what happens after the next election. But that takes me back to the point of when I talked to people about whether they would rather wait or go to the plebiscite, people were very clear they want to mm. wait and do it properly. Right. Okay. Well, one of the other things that I'm not sure if you've had time to see today was um, the issue surrounding the president of the Human Rights Commission, Gillian Triggs, uh, reportedly misleading Parliament. Uh, have you seen any of those reports, or do you have any views on that? Can I just say that I have seen um, I have I have seen an email go around saying that 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 there, there's an issue around that, but I must admit I have not seen the reports mm -hmm. as yet. Okay. All right. So stay tuned. So on I'm not one. sure. I'm not sure what that is about. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, um, there's it, it's all happened in the last um, hour or so. So um, in trying to get more information has been uh, a little difficult. But um, they're saying that uh, in that 
um, I don't know if it was an inquiry, but that that committee that um, some of the information estimates. wasn't quite. Yeah, the estimates yeah, wasn't. It was quite... estimates on Tuesday. Oh, it was okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, I was, um, I was in not all of the estimates when um, the Human Rights Commission was in, but for a lot of it. The coalition is demanding that Shorten pursue Gillian uh, Triggs for misleading Parliament. So they're saying that um, in this report on the Australian. Um, the Coalition MPs are demanding Bill Shorten pursue Human Rights Commission President Gillian Triggs for misleading Parliament after she backed down from evidence to a Senate committee in which she blamed journalists for manufacturing quotes and quoting her out of context. Um, and then it just goes on to say that uh, she was forced to issue a clarifying statement to the Senate's Legal and Constitutional Affairs Committee to qualify her claims to the committee. On Tuesday, that in an April 23 interview she gave to the Saturday paper, she was quoted inaccurately and taken out of context, even suggesting that one quote was put in by a sub-editor. Uh, so, yeah, there's more here. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I, exactly unfortunately, a, I, I, without having a look yeah. at it and without finding out the context, etc., um, I find it really difficult um, to comment in the absence of that. I will say that um, the Coalition have been pursuing um, Professor Triggs um, through a number of uh, Senate estimates processes, a uh, 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 set of estimates, I should say, um, but that's as um, and you know we all remember um, the estimates a couple a couple of estimates back where they kept her there um, all day having go, um, but but that's. I can't comment on the on the current uh, situation because I just don't have all access to all the facts. Yeah, no problem. Um, with the estimates that you have been uh, and the work that you have been doing uh, this week, uh, what can you tell us and, and what's been going on? Oh, well, very, we, we start at 9 in the morning yeah. and we go through at 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's almost by, it's almost estimates by attrition because you know it's um, by the time you get to eleven o'clock you, you're very tired if you sat in the in the room or run. What happens with a number of us is that we have to run between committees. So you're running between it's three if not the four committees that are running at uh, one time. You know, can I get a space here and book your time there and right. run around? Um, there's been, in my portfolios, obviously you ask questions in, in your portfolios. So in, in my portfolios, I've been pursuing all the social service um, portfolios, uh, mental health. Um, I, was, I was asking questions of the Human Rights Commission on disabilities uh, and things like that. Well, there's a number of, you know, very, very useful uh, points that we've learned. And one of the things that I'm deeply concerned about is uh, mental health and how it's uh, being treated by the government and the NDIS. So not, not actually, well, via the NDIS, I should say, because... What's happening is because a lot of the services and the programs are transitioning to the NDIS, of course, not everybody's going to get a package through the NDIS. But the programs that people have all been accessing are going into the NDIS, both some of the Department of Social Service and the Department of Health um, Services. Um, and the government made an announcement a while ago, uh, you know, not long ago, that they'd invest. After taking some money out of mental health, they put a bit back and said, it'll, but it'll be delivered through um, PHN's primary health networks. And they've said, well, you, that funding can't be used for psychosocial uh, services. And so it 
looks to a number of people in the sector, and I must say myself looking at the evidence today, is that there's going to, as the NDIS is rolled out, because it was never meant to cover everybody, that's clear, um, that there'll be gaps in services, because not only are some of the programs that people are accessing being rolled into the NDIS, and while if you're already on it and you don't get a package to the NDIS, you can continue on it, new people don't get access to those services. Um, and so it's clearly, by the looks of it, and also there's still issues about, more broadly about funding for non-NDIS uh, services, that there's going to be gaps start to emerge as the NDIS is transitioned into full rollout. And that's deeply concerning. And the government's really only just under... Well, last night when I was asking health, they were saying, oh, well, it's you know we've got a committee, we're going to start looking at it. Um, and if there are gaps emerge, well, quite frankly, you you know you you must be missing something if you don't look at what's going on and realise there are going to be significant problems because the state and territories are also cutting back their funding because they've said, oh, we've put funding into NDIS. So there are very significant issues here that you know we ask some questions. Only I must admit, um, increased um, my concerns. Um, some of the other issues, for example, that we've been um, uh, that I've been pursuing are disability support pensions. A number of people being um, chucked off in the the disability support pension onto Newstart. Trying to work out how many people are then given medical medical exemptions because of incapacity on in, on Newstart. In other words, they're kicked onto the lower payment, but because they have a disability, they can't meet all their so-called mutual obligations. And so they have to seek a, um, a, well, Department of Employment and the Department of Social Services use two different thing, terms for the same thing, um, which is something that, you know, they call it medical, a temporary medical exemption, Department of Employment, and the Department of, Health, uh, the Department of Social Services calls it partial incapacity or incapacity and then has other terms. Sorry, I should go back. They call it... Department of Employment calls it temporary medical suspension. And that's confusing because when you talk about suspension, in other terms, it's just people getting suspended off their payment. And then and and then um then they in Department of Social Services they talk about um uh, the partial incapacity and capacity. So there's a confusion. If you're if you're a person on a working age payment, which is, you know, new start or youth allowance, you're talking to the Department of Employment and your job, or more importantly, your job service provider. They're using one set of terms, and the, and the Department of Social Services and Centrelink are using different terms. So, you know, it took me a little while to work it out, and and I know the system. Um, anyway, the point there being is the department can't tell me yet whether they had. Now they can tell me there's been an increase in the number of people. Um, seeking a, uh, on a medical exe uh, medical suspension, it's gone up from 20% to 25%. I'm very suspicious that that's as a result of a number of people getting kicked off the disability support pension onto Newstart. So that that is not helping them get work. So they obviously haven't got full, uh, uh, you know, they haven't got the capacity to be able to meet their mutual obligations. They're on a lower payment, but they're not going to be able to find work. Um, and it's a budget-saving exercise the government's doing, not, not as they claim, uh, a program to help people with disability find employment. 
Yeah, yeah, that doesn't sound too good. And uh, so, what are the what's being done at the moment to um, turn that back around? Well, that's we're finding out this. If, you know, obviously, there's a lot of campaign. We've found out the information, um, and they've taken some questions on notice. And we're um, and then um, there'll, there'll various organisations are uh, trying to run campaigns to get you know to get some changes. We've also spent quite a long time today pursuing the government's so-called, in inverted commas, re- new revolutionary approach to delivery of uh, income support on our social security safety net. Um, and uh, there we had some quite substantial discussions about what they've taken from the New Zealand approach, um, what they're still continuing with, how they're rolling that new program out, um, which was very useful to find out the information. And, but I still have concerns that they're taking some parts of the New Zealand approach and uh, not the parts that are actually could be, that make it what I think is quite a useful system. In some areas, there are still some very strong concerns, I've got to say, with the, particularly with the number of people sanctioned. But for example, New Zealand in their system make all the responsible government agencies work together to meet key performance indicators. You know, like... We all talk about needing joined up services. You start, you know, how about we start with government agencies? Now, that's not being required here, for example. Okay, yeah, right. All right, and before you mentioned about um, mental health, now that's um, obviously one of your portfolios. And yes. um, you've been active on, on issues like suicide prevention. Do you feel that the national suicide prevention strategy is actually working? Well, it would certainly, the fact that. Um, unfortunately, suicides are at its, high, at its highest level in 10 years would indicate that, no, it's not, which is why the sector is so strongly calling for a suicide reduction target. And it's something that the government is, um, not, is rejecting at the moment. Um, it's the same, I must say, they're rejecting the community's strong call and gathering of so much evidence around justice targets as part of the closing gap targets as well. So I don't know what the government has against um, targets in this in this way that um, are, um, are uh, set in place things that you know people know they need to achieve, and it's why we've got targets as part of uh, closing the gap. And the government comes, the federal government comes up with all sorts of excuses why not to. Um, have them, which are, in my opinion, nonsense, um, when so clearly experts in the field are calling for these targets. Experts in the field have done the research. They know what they are talking about, and they are uh, saying, we need these targets. Yeah, right. I was like reading through the, the national strategy, and, and I know there's the Living is for Everyone framework, and, but I just didn't feel like there was anything in there that was actually geared towards any tangible support for people. Um, you know, where do people go? Well, there's, um, there, are, there are some very good services, and I, I don't want people to think for a minute that there aren't some good services, but they're obviously not meeting that there's not enough of them we need more you know we need more funding there's not enough services particularly um, for example regional and remote there if you're talking and now of course um, I'm sure a lot of your uh, listeners know that um, the suicide rates in Aboriginal communities are far higher 
than in um, the broader community and that needs special strategies. And uh, and they and one of the overriding requirements there is Aboriginal uh, designed, um, delivered, operated services that are culturally appropriate. And again, there's evidence, plenty of evidence from Australia that that's the way to go. And also, if, you know, if they want to look overseas, go to uh, Canada and look at some of the Canadian evidence that is so overwhelmingly strong. I've, I've heard speakers from Canada come over here and tell us of what's happening in some of the um, First Peoples communities in Canada and showing such clear evidence of the success of the programs that are delivered by First Nations communities, First Peoples communities, and are culturally appropriate. Yes, the evidence is unquestionable. And yet still, we have a government that still, you know, they had a meeting in the in Broome last week. Now, you know, at least they're doing something, people can say. But uh, it was at least four years ago when we had a previous, you know, there was a, a previous spike and it's much worse now. The government promised, they had put some money aside, they said, radio, we're going to invest in suicide prevention. And there was a whole group of people, um, and I was involved as well, lobbying to say you need to allocate some of that money very quickly to Aboriginal suicide prevention and part of that has to go to the Kimberley. You know, and it's, it, it's 18 million, it was never spent. I calculated out it should be worth 25 million now. So this government came in and then put a review in place so the money didn't get spent. It was just, it's unbelievable. Honestly, it, it's no wonder people get so frustrated that that here we go with, you know, the, there was the right thing done, money was allocated and it just was never allocated. Now there are some good services in the Kimberley and I've, I've, um, I've been up there, I've met with many of them, many, you know, on a number of occasions. But again, the issue is it is not enough funding and it certainly needs to be more funding for more culturally appropriate funding. And, you know, you, there's the Kimberley um, Aboriginal uh, Language and Cultural Centre, CALAC, and again, I've, I've visited that a number of times. They have been running some very, very good programs. And to tell you the truth, I'm sick of getting the emails that say, once again, the government hasn't funded this program. And they, again, evidence-based, working with elders in, on culture um, and um, proven results, and yet they're still not being... They get little bits of drips of money, but not the size of funding that's needed. And then through the last round of... Um, I think it was the department... There was two funding rounds grant programs run just after um, the, the um, Abbott government came in, in. There was a huge controversy over the Department of Social Services and the Indigenous Advancement Strategy. And there was a funding, um, some funding for uh, suicide um, prevention. And a organisation based in Sydney won the contract to deliver it in the Kimberley. So, and they applied for it, I'm sure, with the best will in the world. But how do you think you can be based in the East and deliver culturally appropriate services in the Kimberley? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I, I, can, I can hear the frustration and the exacerbation in your voice, but I can also hear the passion. Uh, why are these issues so important to you? There are about... I have 
um, well, I think I have the best portfolios. I have the um, family and community services, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander issues, um, disability, um, which disability and carers, um, and aged care and mental health. And they're all about helping and supporting people. And if I believe there's a fair society, we should be supporting the most vulnerable members of our community and people that are doing it tough and that, and that I'm deeply concerned about the growing inequality in this country, um, which is getting worse. And there was a report released just um, the beginning of this week for Anti-Poverty Week, because it's Anti-Poverty Week and Carers Week this week. Oh, and Occupational Therapist Week as well. Um, but it's Anti-Poverty this week. And, uh, you know, seeing the latest reports come out from ACOS showing that poverty's got worse, There's no, na- but also highlighting the fact there's no national poverty plan, that um, the cost of living report for WA came out on Monday as well that showed that WA was had the worst rate of uh, inequality. Um, again, um, and that and what that does is it hurts the most vulnerable members of our community. Um, seeing the government want to deliver tax cuts to relatively well-off people and wealthy people, when they keep denying the fact that New Start needs to be increased. You know, the government said the Minister for Social Services said, "Oh, um, people lobbying for a New Start increase lack imagination." I mean, it's such an insult. Look at look at how far people on Newstart, their payments are, how far they are below the poverty line and how far they are below the minimum wage. And then he has the audacity to say, oh, some of them get two or three payments. Yeah, well, some people do get, for example, rent assistance. Well, rent assistance is falling further and further behind, but you certainly can't afford to pay your rent um, on what is you done now about thirty eight dollars a day, you certainly can't afford afford to pay your rent. So it's all propaganda designed to make it sound as if people that are on uh, working age payment, income support, new start, are bludgers or they're not really doing it that tough, which is absolute nonsense. I make sure I go out and talk to as many people as I can very frequently in my portfolio areas. I also um, through uh, my Facebook page, often do call-outs for people to share their experiences um, living living on Newstart, their experiences with job service providers or job, job active, as it's called now, um, disability support payments and things like that. And I get hundreds and hundreds of accounts from people about how they struggle with the system, how job service providers give them a hard time, how Centrelink gives them a hard time, and how hard it is to try and survive. And if you're a single parent on Newstart, um, trying to trying to bring up your kids on on Newstart is extremely difficult. Yeah, and there's definitely like beneath the surface a um, a compassion for people. Is is that why you got into politics to begin with? Um, actually, it, it's probably a little bit of a combination of both. So my previous work, I ran uh, the Conservation Council in WA for 16 years. And so I come from a back environmental background, um, but also, of course, was, you know, you're doing that, you're also working on, you know, in my opinion, you know, the environment isn't isn't necessarily separate and particularly it's part of, you know, 
the way people make decisions is social decision making is very important for how you manage the environment. So I did actually do quite a bit of looking at social decision making theory and things like that in terms of environment, but also was as a uni student involved in the anti-nuclear movement. And so I come from that bit of a background um, as well. Um, but I've always had an interest in issues around, for example, um, uh, for, uh, people and uh, refugees, for example. I was involved before I um, became a senator in the Refugee Action Group in, in WA and various other uh, groups. Um, so I've had... But, but my first... My first um, involvement and my first job was agriculture I'm an agricultural scientist how'd you get into agricultural science um that's a, so my family are from way way back from um, my grandmother's family are farmers in England and not that I grew up on a farm or anything um but I've always had a deep love of agriculture as well yeah, so right. okay so do you find yourself you know to get away as well just uh getting out amongst um, I don't know the, the countryside and and just getting away from everything. Oh, in terms of you know what I do when I'm yeah. not in this place. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I love the marine environment. So I paddleboard, bushwalk, um, spend time. The rare option is we get I uh, spend time you know in the bush, but particularly sitting on um, beaches. I would say my partner's a surfer. So the rare times that we can get away for him to go for a, a surf, I spend quite a bit of time taking photos on the beach and rambling up beaches and things like that as well. And um, it's calm, I paddleboard. Yeah, right. Um, and look, uh, well, sorry, we just went off on a little bit of a tangent there. But um, uh, in your first speech, and I mean, you've, you've said as well that um, a little concerned for you know where Australia is. And in your first speech back in 2005, you said you were concerned for the direction that Australia was heading back then. So we're over 10 years later. Has anything changed? I'm usually the half glass is full type person, but I've got to say in terms of some of the measures that I'm you know, looking at, we've seen no increase in you know, key payments like New Start. We have, I've got to be fair, seen an increase in the age pension, which we, were, we lobbied for very heavily. Um, you've seen issues like you know, NT intervention happen. Um, you, we've seen... Um, there's some quite devastating mining decisions happening. We've seen, you know, for for a little while there, we had, you know, the best carbon laws and climate laws in the world, and we lost them. But that's not to mean that we can't get them back. Um, so, and you know, we again, we for a nanosecond, we had the world's best marine uh, system of marine reserves. Or bio bioregional marine reserves, uh, uh, and um, Abbott, you know, virtually scrapped them by scrapping the management plans. Hopefully, we're going to get um, those back. So there has been sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. It, I, I, inequality has worsened. I cringe to see the way conservatives show contempt for the most vulnerable members of our community and think that the best way to address um, issues and to, to see progress is to demonise and punish people when, again, the evidence shows taking a positive approach um, is the, the best approach and the evidence-based approach. So, you know, we've had some some progress, but there's still a long way to go. And I've been joined by more green parliamentarians, both in the, at Commonwealth level and in the state level. 
Mm. Yeah, and look, just before we wrap this up and, and we go, I, I just got to ask you, being a West Australian senator, um, the mining industry was huge uh, over there. Yes. Uh, so yes. as a Greens senator, how does that um, play into your thoughts and feelings? I mean, obviously benefited the state, but, you know, well, mining isn't necessarily great for the environment. Well, no, it's not. Um, and, uh, you know, I've had uh, been involved in many campaigns trying to stop mining in national parks, for example, or mining in inappropriate areas. And I must say, we've had, you know, a number of wins there. And one of the really positive things was stopping the um, gas hub at James Price Point. So there has been, you know, I, trouble is, you know, I keep, my brain keeps turning and then I, I think of more, um, more you know, more successes. Um, but in terms of mining, one of the, the, things that I don't think we, we should ever forgive the uh, West Australian government for is the fact that they didn't significantly invest some of the profits from the mining industry in the future fund so that we could, um, in, in, and in things that weren't, and, and looked at what is the future. When mining stops, when the boom comes off, what are we going to do for our economic base? And now the minister's running around, oh, the, the premier's running around going, oh, well, we'll, um, we're going to invest in tourism, and and um, they, I don't think they were very clever about the way they managed the boom and what happened, and it's why we've got inequality, the high high rate of inequality in WA we've got is that not everyone shared in the boom, and there's been a number of reports that have showed that. So if you were able to capitalise on the boom, if you're involved in the industry or one of the spin-offs in the industry, <coughs> you did really well, and you had lots of money and you drove up house prices. If you're a public servant, if you were in the hospitality industry, um, you didn't get those same wage increase. You were locked out of the, the market. Um, and so, you know, this whole philosophy, oh, trickle-down approach, um, you know, the money will trickle down and we'll float all those boats. Well, I'm sorry, they didn't float all the boats. And it's, and it's yes, some people did well, but some people didn't. And now we're, we're having to look around for, well, what is the... What other areas should we be looking at in WA? And I'd suggest, for example, agriculture is one of them. <coughs> Again, WA used to have one of the best ag departments in the country. In fact, many of us used to boast that we had the best Department of Agriculture quite a while ago. And we had some cutting-edge researchers, and a lot of that's been fitted away as well. It's been privatised. Um, we haven't got that that same capacity as part of our own department. I think, I personally think that's a very significant mistake. So there are areas that I think they've made some problems in when you look at some mistakes in when you look at how they have sought to um, uh, manage the boom. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I want to thank you for your time. I'm sure you've had a busy day and you've got more busy days ahead. Yeah. So I uh, appreciate your time today, Senator, and uh, best of luck for the um, well, the next lot of um, um, uh, sorry, what was it estimates? Estimates. Estimates. Yeah. yeah. So, thank you. so no problem. Thank Dang. you for, for thank you for doing this. Um, my pleasure. <laughs>